Hello, and welcome to the show that, despite the pleas of our families and friends, simply will not stop talking about D&D. So, ready your spells and weapons, grab the shiniest set of your math rocks, and prepare for critical friendship. My name's Dan. And I'm Blake. And uh, you may recognize my voice uh, from Two Geeks, One Noob, and maybe Blake's from a couple of the ones that he uh, guest starred on. Three episodes? Yeah. <laughs> we like Blake. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we we decided to try something a little different and uh, do a little side project of uh, talking a little bit more narrow uh, subject, uh, talk a lot about D&D. Uh, we've done several episodes about D&D on Two Geeks, One Noob. But, it's almost uh, like that's like the thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> and we both love it. So we figured we'd uh, try something a little bit different and new. And uh, so today uh, we're going to be talking about D&D homebrewing and world building. So, Blake, how do you want to do this? All right. So homebrewing, it's a it's a. It's a pretty daunting subject. It's a pretty daunting task when you're just like, oh, I'm going to do a, a, a homebrew campaign setting and we're going to play in it. And it's just like, OK, where do I start? Yeah. And you're sitting there staring at the, the blank page and just going, oh, crap. I, I told my players I was going to build this and now I have to <laughs> actually sit down and, you know, do this. Thing. Yeah. Yep. So. I've run a D&D homebrew setting for quite some time now and. uh Dan, when he decided that he wanted to do some homebrew, I was kind of helping walk him through some of the some of the stuff, and we kind of decided to merge my homebrew with his homebrew. Yeah, um, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> fun so far. Um, but what we're uh, what we have for you today is I kind of uh, put together some little notes and and bullet points and stuff to kind of just help you through it. So if you've ever wanted to homebrew your own world or anything like that, like. Here's some advice. Either take it or leave it. If I say something that you're like, nah, I don't think that works for me. Guess what? You don't have to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the really cool thing about world building and, and homebrewing, especially in D&D, though, is that, like, you can do anything. Like, yeah. there's a, there's a, there is a certain set of rules that you kind of have to follow, but at the same time, it's very, very free for all. Yeah, I mean, the book itself tells you, like, if you don't like a rule, if it doesn't work at your table don't use it yeah so the the first thing i have is build a world that fits the type of game that you want to play mm -hmm. so for example are you going to be running like a vast sprawling cityscape type of world where you have these mega metropolises that you know your players are having to explore and and get involved with the politics and all that of this big city or are you going to be doing like a a more exploration of ancient ruins or an underdark okay so if you're going to be doing ancient ruins well you you probably ha need to have some kind of like history as to why those ruins are there what was the civilization that left these behind if you want to do an underdark campaign obviously you have to have a world that has an underdark yeah. like <laughs> and why is there an underdark is it just this random cave system that exists there or is it something more akin to the forgotten realms where it's because there was a primordial trapped underground and cursed to never see the light of day again. And mm -hmm. these are the tunnels that he left behind as he just moved around. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of a good thing to think about like, okay, what game are you going to run before you even have anything down on paper as to what your world is? What's your game style? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like for mine, 
or four hours, uh, the way I wanted to play mine was very much um, almost a, a mixture of both where mm-hmm. there's going to be some uh, some high society areas and stuff like that. But there's definitely going to be some exploration of some things that have happened many, 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 many years ago. Before Aluin was ever founded. Yes. And again, my uh, <laughs> my homebrew uh, continent is uh, it's called Aluin, which I can't find the uh, definition of it again for some strange reason, but it means chasm or um, nice. canyon or something like that, which is very much what my continent has and was built around was a giant uh, crack in the ground mm-hmm. um, that, that was made by of... something. <laughs> <laughs> your characters may or may not know what it is. Actually, no. My you're... character has no freaking well, clue. Yeah, <laughs> he just got to the surface. He has no idea what any of this crap is. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Uh, so the other players may have some idea, um, but not to the fullest extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely some things down in the bottom that are going to be fun to explore i think um (laughs) once i write them i'm really excited (laughs) well that we'll we'll get to that later (laughs) so uh another little point that we have in here is uh something that i think you slightly just touched on okay leave gaps so leave gaps in the lore and in the map you don't have to plan out everything all at once you know if if you have drawn up this huge, intricate, complicated map, and you've detailed out every single town, every single shop, every single everything, and all of the lore, and all of the gods, and all of the everything, well, then you don't really have any room for your game to shape your world. Yeah. Right? So, and and, and this kind of goes back to something I was going to say on the last point. It just completely slipped my mind. Um <laughs> It's okay to talk to your players about, hey, what kind of game do you guys want to play? Yeah. And the same in here is you can let your players not obviously like build the entire world for you, but different things that they say, different things that they're interested in can always be something that like you kind of like start to add an edge into your world as as they show an interest into it. Like if you're running a whole bunch of cityscape campaigns and they start looking for an entrance to the Underdark. Well, maybe start to kind of build that out, like yeah. flesh out that bit, move your campaign into that kind of setting, you mm-hmm. know, like, like you're the DM, whatever you have planned out, you can just pick it up and move it to a different spot. It's, it's like that meme that you always see in Dungeons and Dragons where like, like there's the, the party's like walking out in this one direction in the forest and they see this like large brooding castle silhouetted oh. in the distance and they go. Yeah, I'm not going towards that. And then they turn around and go the other way, travel a day in the opposite direction, and then they see the castle silhouetted in the background again. And it's like, wait, wasn't the town there? And the DM's like, yeah, it was. <laughs> like, move your it needs move, to be there though. Yeah, like and, and this is where I need you to go. And that, granted, there's a certain amount of railroading that I would say, please don't railroad. But right, right. I mean, there's a bit of railroading that happens in D and D. I mean, if you if you have a set story in line and the players go off from it like there's a certain amount of of working around that that you can do where you can still let the players have their agency but 
still guide them in that way of because you you are the storyteller Mm -hmm. but your players are guiding that story or no no sorry the other way around you're you're guiding the story but they're writing it i feel like (laughs) it's it's kind of a mixture of both i would say and like at a certain point like you either have to abandon the story that you had written entirely or just move it in front of the players no matter which direction they're going because it's like at some point this has to progress. It mm-hmm. has to move forward. So we can either say, nobody's interested in what I'm trying to run, so let's just ditch that and go for something else, and maybe you can run that in a one-shot or something like that, because that's obviously like an issue in your world. Work that out in a one-shot with random, you know, crazy characters, mm-hmm. and then say, okay, they seem to be a lot more interested in this specific topic. Let's build something that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool too because that's that's basically what I've been doing with mine is in the very beginning I I kind of took that advice from you and was like I want to build this world around what my players want. Mm. What they want to feel, what they want to think, what they want to see in the world. And so I sent out a questionnaire to you guys and I was like, "All right, what are your goals? What is something you want to see in this in this uh campaign?" Uh, like things like that. And, and everybody gave some pretty darn good answers. And so I've been trying to <coughs> build around that, but also get the storyline around what I had in mind. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> and again, like uh, right now, because I, um, I'm still building the world and stuff like that. I had one town built before and not even fully built, honestly, before we started playing. I had like a tournament for everybody and then the rest of it was kind of like, okay, I still need to flesh out some of these things mm-hmm. before we get to our next uh, session. And so, uh, so we did that. And now uh, my, my players are moving into this new town. That's a bit bigger, a bit more metro- a metropolitan mm-hmm. and met- Metropolitan. Yeah, that's the right word. Um, <laughs> um, and I have nothing of it built right now. <laughs> so it's kind of so, like the uh, the last session we played, where I was like, I was like, you know, we could just avoid this whole forest thing. You let's let's go ask the the captain of that airship if he can just take us to the town. And yeah. you looked at me and went, "You can do that for sure." I didn't plan anything for that, but you can do that. And I was no, like, ah. I didn't even say that though. I said that you will miss a lot of oh, the things yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that you guys are looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was very glad you guys listened because I didn't have any of that <laughs> written out. Well, Worm, but, Worm wasn't terribly excited to get back on that ship that, you know, they had just had a huge fight on. <laughs> yeah, except for the fact that he completely blew it away <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i had a major villain not a major villain a decent villain and like within like three shots you had him off the ship <laughs> and it's an airship <laughs> um i'm but... not apologizing <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i wouldn't it was a good move it was good moves on all of your parts really um <sighs> one thing i did want to point out too um before we move on to the next point was uh actually oh, in, i'm still on the same point okay here. cool cool, cool. <laughs> Go for that's it. awesome um one of the things that i'm really lucky about is 
one of my my players, which is actually my wife, Ariel, um, she built her character to be a help for me mm-hmm. in in the world because she's traveled, she's been around, and so she knows, or she, like her character knows the world. Mm-hmm. So she's actually helping me build because it. Because none of our characters do. Mine's right. from the Underdark, didn't even know the surface with this thing. My wife's character is from the other side of the planet. Yeah. And then Joel's character, I don't, I don't know. Where is he from? Uh, I think he's from the same area as uh, Heather's character. Okay. Got it. Um, or at least on, the, on that side of the world. Okay. I don't know if it's... Uh, we, we honestly haven't gotten through that particular... Uh, like, I asked him where he said he was from, and he's like, I think from jot, Blake's side of the world. Jot down a note real quick. <laughs> Ask Joel where he's from. <laughs> or where Ozzy is from. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm really lucky where I get to work with my wife on building this world, because... And I'm obviously building it with with you as well. Um, But like. (laughs) Like she's helping with the maps and she's like, she's a phenomenal artist and like um, she does interior design and and stuff like that. So she has this mind for it that just blows me away. So that's that's funny. So when when I first made this homebrew and I was running a campaign in it, um, I, I would bounce ideas off of Heather. But her character was kind of the exact opposite. So, like, she was very helpful as a person. Her character was a chaotic, evil halfling (laughs) that wanted to take over the world and conquer people and, like, basically enthrall people and to be mind slaves and stuff like that. And so, whereas Heather was super helpful, Zanelli was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah uh so one of the other things i wrote down in this in this same thing because i kind of got stuck up on this when when i started doing this is i was like oh i have to plan out all this stuff is gods and factions Mm -hmm. right so i looked at the list of different cleric domains and went oh i have to have a different god for every single cleric domain and every single thing like that and like okay there's going to be all these factions that are going to be important and like what if I have somebody that wants to join like a thieves guild? I have to plan out a thieves guild for the city. And what if somebody wants to do something like the Lord's Alliance or, you know, something like that. And I was trying so hard and focusing in so much on like building all these tiny little details Mm -hmm. that like for several weeks, I didn't prep anything for the actual story to move forward. Mm. And so it was kind of chaotic when we would get to the table and they're like, oh, what are we doing? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? And then I was ad-libbing everything. Yeah. And, and that wasn't right. <laughs> like, I'm fairly good at ad-libbing and, and improving at a, at a session, but you do, need to, you do need to buckle down. Like, yeah. if you have a person playing as a cleric, and this is what I ended up doing, I had a guy wanted to play as a cleric, or he was, he was a fighter and he wanted the multi-class cleric. And I said, okay, what domain are you picking? And he chose life domain. And I went, okay, what kind of God do you want to follow? And like, we weren't streaming it or anything, so it didn't really matter. And he picked one of the goddesses from the Forgotten Realms. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. That's great. You can have that as your goddess. Like, let's do that. And then the only other times that I brought in different gods or goddesses was when it was necessary to the plot. Yeah. 
So like I I didn't like I just abandoned that Google Doc that I was writing out <laughs> and just went and was like, okay, what what do I need for this specific thing? Yeah. And then I just never really messed with it until somebody would ask, like, hey, is there a church to something like this or a temple to something like this? And I was like, yes. And I would kind of like give like a very brief, basic thing of something that I just like had either planned a little bit of it earlier or just straight up pulled it out of my butt right there at the table (laughs) and then said, yes, there's this. And they would kind of go and do their thing, whatever. And then I would go and write that out and plan that out Mm. to where it's like, okay, since somebody has shown an interest in this, let me flesh that bit out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool too. The, that it that's such a a, a D and D staple is being able to take what the players say and and just flesh that out to what they want it to be, but you can have your own input on it and or not not input but like you can have your storyline fit with that and I I love that yeah. I I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for me in in that sense because um in my world I I'm making it where it's only one god. Yeah. Um as as a Christian myself I tr- I'm like I always struggle with that where it's like okay, do <laughs> I bring this kind of stuff in or do I kind of shape it around my faith and go okay, there is one god but there's also these other things that Mm-hmm. can help when you need it and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so I, I think what we decided, because it's the same world, and obviously on my side of the planet, they all believe in these, you know, polytheists, you know, all these different gods with different domains. Yeah. And then on your side, and, and there was, on my side, there was one god that kind of made all the other ones. Right. And so on your side, the belief was, there is only one god, and then the rest are like, they were like angels, demons, or like very powerful yeah. beings. Sort of similar to warlock patrons. Yeah, definitely. Um, and my wife was actually asking me, she was like, well, how do you reconcile those two ideas? And I was like, well, how does our world reconcile it? Yeah. Like, I'm a Christian too. And one of my best friends when I lived in College Station was Muslim. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we reconcile the different belief systems that we have? Yeah. You, you kind of just say, like, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and then you get along. Like, yeah. You meet somebody from the other side of the planet that believes in multiple gods, whereas you only believe in the one. Like, yeah. Well, are you going to sit there and fight each other over it? Or are you going to say, well, I believe in this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think definitely the like, again, it's it's one of those things where you you have to reconcile it to yourself of like, well, I believe there is one true and living God. Mm-hmm. And then. I don't know why we're getting into this, but like, (laughs) (laughs) well, because it, it, it it kind of came up naturally. Like it's part of homebrewing. Like each character that we've built gets to decide for themselves what their belief system is. Yeah. Like I myself am a Christian, but I don't know if worm believes in any kind of deity at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) and it's kind of cool too, because, uh, the other campaign that we're starting the Starfinder one, Mm -hmm. I've actually started thinking about, maybe making mine believe in a a particular god because there's two of them in there that i'm like these would work really well for this character and i think it would be fun to try to work that in but that's a whole other story (laughs) (laughs) yeah um 
which you can ask for uh, ask about later if you want. But <laughs> we we may down the road do some Starfinder stuff, but we're only now dipping our toes into it, so we're not by any means experts on that. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the the next point that I have right here is don't feel like when when you're homebrewing, don't feel like you have to include anything. Don't feel like you have to include everything. Like mm. I know a lot of people have problems with the concepts of uh, monks in in their high fantasy they don't like Mm. the monk class they think it's kind of silly yeah well if you don't like it don't use it don't have it in your game right if if you think that it's silly that there's like 87 different sub races of elves (laughs) don't have them like it's it's your world you're allowed to say no to things now i will put the caveat in there of having been a dungeon master and a player don't cut something out of your world and then not tell your players about it Mm. Like, if you've just decided that dwarves are not allowed in your world, and then you show up to the table and three people have made dwarf characters, well, that's your fault. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to have an issue with that, and that's, that's your fault. Yeah. You messed that up. So, like, if you, like, don't feel pressured to say yes to every single thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to. If you think that Arakakura are dumb because they get to fly 50 feet at first level... Whereas most other characters have to reach fifth level to get the spell fly. Just say that they don't exist in your world yeah. <laughs> or they're not a playable race. Like it's. You're allowed to do that. You're yep. the dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll say that I tend to be on the more free flowing. Oh, same here. Thing where it's just like, I, if you want to play something like that, go right ahead. Like I, I love giving people what like, to an extent, whatever they want, you know, like, obviously I'm not going to give them a legend legendary. Weapon. I would like a vorpal bow. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give a legendary weapon out just because they want it. I'll make them work for it if they want it. <laughs> but like, if you want to be a flying bird creature person, go for it. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, like you don't have to be that way. It, if you want to be more, uh, more strict in what you want in your in your world that's that's totally up to you yeah i think within reason in some ways because you don't want to you don't want to make your players upset because they wanted to play this particular thing and you know yeah they're not able to you really wanted to play a kobold and then the dm said no i don't like the fact that they have pack tactics no kobolds right yeah i was like well, that's kind of a bummer. I get it. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, like I, I, I even tell my players, and this is how we ended up with the wacky characters that we had in Icewind Dale. Like, if you find a homebrew that you like, or if you have a character, like David came to me and he wanted to be a Mind Flayer bard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, there's no official stat block for that. Give me five minutes. I'll find you one. Yeah. And I went and got a playable illithid race and said here you go you can play as a mind flare bard yeah and like uh matt wanted to play as a mimic mm-hmm. a sentient mimic and i was like hey i know somebody that came up with one of the or i don't know him but i know of yeah somebody on the dm's guild that wrote a playable mimic race called the mock mm-hmm. if anybody's interested it's uh chris zito christopher zito on the dm's guild it's mm-hmm. called the mock he makes a lot of really good stuff yeah and so i was like here and i i bought it because it's like a dollar mm-hmm. i read through it and i said yeah this is fine you can play as this yeah and like 
if if you send me homebrew and you're like, hey, can I play as this or can I do this class or something like that? I'm not immediately going to say yes. I want to read through it first. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had somebody uh, send me a class they wanted to play one time that was off of D&D Wiki, which is kind of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. I was like, give me a minute. Let me read through it. And they were able to cast like fourth level spells at first level and like all this crazy stuff. And I was like, dude, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's that's definitely where you draw the line of like okay there's there's a difference between playing a character that has you know good abilities Mm -hmm. and giving someone something that they shouldn't have at all yeah but yeah definitely uh Not doing that. <laughs> uh, so the other thing on this same point is that not every concept from canon D&D has to be included into your games. Yes. If you don't like the fact that magic comes from the weave, take that out. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you think that all spellcasters should be exactly the same, like, all underneath arcane magic, and there's not a difference between, like, the primal, the divine, and the arcane... Mm-hmm. Just make it all arcane, just different flavored. Yeah. If you look at the different schools of magic, like you have illusion and <clears throat> conjuration and all that stuff, and you think there should be more, you know, broken down sub schools, like if you want to put in the work to do all of that, go for it. Yeah. Or if you say, I don't really want there to be different schools of magic, cut them out. Like it's, it's a concept that they put in the original game. You're doing your own game. You're at your own table. <laughs> yeah that's that's a funny one too because that's something that ariel and i've been talking about is like how do wizards get their their knowledge and stuff and it's like well there's got to be schools okay now i have to put a school in there, like multiple schools <laughs> in the world and it's like okay now i have to do all this research okay i gotta do it <laughs> that's why i prefer to play as sorcerers than wizards because it's like i don't know i sneezed one time and <laughs> <laughs> It's an eight. Uh, <laughs> just, just kind of happened, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sorcerers or warlocks. I think definitely in in that way. Uh, although warlocks only get two freaking spells. Um, <laughs> yeah, only two spell slots. They get plenty of spells, and then they get all the invocations that give them free spells. Right. Yeah. Like you can cast this as many times a day as you want. All right. So my next little bit here is: what is the thing that makes your world stand out? What mm. makes it special? What makes it unique? Like. Are you basically just playing in a reskinned Forgotten Realms? Are you playing in Eberron? Are you playing Greyhawk, Ravenloft? Or have you truly made something special to itself? What what actually makes it stand out? What is the feeling of your world? Like when you're when your players are walking around through a city, does it feel like this fun kind of happy-go-lucky romp through a city or is it dark and gritty like the Ravenloft setting or is it a complete set of hopelessness or a feeling mm. of hopelessness like you would get in some of the darker like the grimdark settings mm. you know like what what makes your world different than the standard default setting in dungeons and dragons yeah and the way you do that is obviously that kind of ties back into what kind of game are you running right yeah but the way you do that and you get that across is you have to set the scene so you may not be the best order <laughs> you know you may not be a great writer <laughs> hi <laughs> um but set the scene you know paint a picture tell them what they see what they feel what they smell like what like is is there like this like like when you're walking around barovia 
in in Curse of Strahd, you get this like sense of just oppression. Mm -hmm. And there's almost like a spiritual pressure around you everywhere you go. So what do they feel when they're walking around the city? Mm. Like, is it a joyful place to be? Is there this like deep set sense of dread, but they can't really put their finger on why? Is it is it the weird sense that something's wrong, but you don't quite know what that we had when I ran the false Hydra? Like, mm-hmm. what, oh, yeah. what is Ooh. it? What is it about your setting that makes it unique? And how do you get that across with setting the scene? Yeah. Do and you, then, oh, I was no, saying, go, go ahead, ahead and uh, if you can, uh, what would be an example of, of something like that that you've, that you've used? Um. <laughs> I actually have something for this. All right, all right, cool. Um, so my players were going to a... Let me see if I can find it. It's in my notes. Uh, they were going to a very dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And... So the reason I'm asking this right now, especially because I, I have been struggling with that myself, with um, trying to uh, describe the world in, in a way that makes people feel things. And like, I don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, there's a building. Oh, yeah, there's a tree over there. No, like, and, and I'll say this, I, I love the way Matt Mercer does it. I know he is, he has a team of writers and he has a team of of producers and stuff like that that help him do this. I know he does a lot of it himself. Um but and I know it's his job. <laughs> but for for me like I at least want to throw enough in there of like you know, you're walking through this this town and it like it has this and it has trees that look like this and it has a building that has this and you know stuff like that to make you guys feel like you're there yeah you know and so yeah go ahead and so so this was something that i wrote out and i actually i i got help with this mm-hmm. because i'm by no means a great writer so i had somebody spell check it because i'm dyslexic <laughs> i had somebody grammar check it because i'm dumb but my players were going to this very very dangerous place it was an ancient kingdom that long ago got destroyed Mm -hmm. and nobody really knows everything about it but there's this massive tree that was planted it's called the barrier tree and it completely cuts this kingdom off from everywhere else because it's so dangerous and it's so volatile Mm -hmm. and it was spreading like the corruption that was coming from it was spreading so they worked out a deal and they were able to get to the other side of the barrier tree with some help. And I wanted to make sure that they knew that this place was different from where they just came from. They just come from a kingdom of like druids where everything's kind of lighthearted and like nature has taken a lot of it, but it's like kind of cultivated nature and, and the, the cities live in harmony with the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so they get to the other side and I read them this. As you reach the moss-covered ground in the cursed kingdom of Pokethrin, you feel an immediate sense of dread. Now, obviously, I had ambiance going mm. with this. Oh, yeah. Which just made it so much better. Because <laughs> I immediately switched it. Uh, <laughs> you feel an immediate sense of dread rising in the still air. This place is different. Foreboding. Abandoned yet waiting. Poised like a venomous snake waiting to strike. Still, yet utterly dangerous. 
A thin mist hangs in the air, reaching out like skeletal fingers, creeping and curling in the direction of any movement. The trees towering above seem to be holding their breath in anticipation for what your arrival will bring. Leaning in, looming and watching, in dark solitude. Do you feel it? The land has been waiting for you. This place knew it wouldn't be abandoned forever. It reaches towards you with the shadows ever moving in the corners of your eyes. It calls your name in the whispering of the wind, like the hoarse, dry whisper of a dead man. <laughs> I wanted it to be very understood that this place is different. Yeah. This place is dangerous. This place is deadly. Yeah. And from that, because I didn't, I didn't outright tell everybody, like I had told them in the beginning of the campaign, like some things are not going to be your level. Mm -hmm. Some combats, if you start getting into it, you might realize very quickly, oh, we should run. Yeah. When they got to Pokethrin, they understood like, oh, this is what he meant in the beginning of the campaign. So there were several times where they would start getting in a fight and be like, guys, we have to get out of here. We're all almost dead. Like, just go. Yeah. And would have to take off into the woods. And like literally any action they took was weighing the danger of doing one thing versus the danger of doing another thing. Yeah. We're camping at night. Are we going to start a fire? Last night we didn't start a fire and we got attacked by a swarm of shadows, which if you've never used shadows as a DM, they are absolutely lethal. Mm -hmm. You can wipe out a party of level 20s with a couple of CR one quarter shadows. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so. We didn't light a fire last night and got swarmed by shadows. Do we light a fire tonight? Because we've heard something hunting and stalking us throughout the woods. Yeah. If we light a fire, it's going to know where we are. We don't know what it is. Is it worse than the shadows that we had to fight? Hmm. Is that so, the one that you had told us about before where you had the sound effects of the... Yes. Okay, yes. all right. Um, I, I used, <laughs> if anybody has uh, Kanan's Tome of Foes, I used the Lonely. Um, it's a creature uh, under the category of Sorrow Sworn, and it was hunting them throughout the woods, and it has spiked feet. And so <laughs> there was a sound effect on the soundboard I was using that was a shovel digging into dirt. Mm -hmm. So it would kind of make this little <laughs> noise. And I used that for its footsteps. <laughs> and so like when, whenever they were kind of getting <laughs> off track or you know going down a rabbit hole and kind of just chit-chatting at the table, I would start using that sound effect and increasing the volume on it. And then, like, every now and then would just, like, click it, like, four times really quick. So you'd just hear. And they were like, hey, guys, we should probably focus back up and get going. Because they knew that if they sat there, like, on this little tangent, just chit-chatting at the table for too long, I was going to have it grab somebody and yank them off into the woods. Mm -hmm. It has a reach of 30 feet. If it hits you with an attack, you are automatically grappled and pulled 15 feet towards it. Yes. So it can grab you from out in the woods and just be like, you're mine. <laughs> and then take off running. They didn't want that to happen, so they're like, let's focus in and get back to what we were doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> Homebrewing, man. Homebrewing. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a very fun, uh, fun for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> journey through Terrifying for everyone else. Uh, my, my party affectionately called it Magical Australia. Because <laughs> everything there wants to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have been a part of that one. I, I would have had fun. <laughs> <laughs> it it was pretty fun. Uh for me. Yeah. <laughs> um so and 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 one one more thing I would say on that point of setting the scene is 
is there a different feel between your cities, your wilderness, your ruins? Like, yeah. Are, are they all like, I mean, obviously they're all in the same setting, but are they all the same feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been, uh, again, struggling with is, is making those differences feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, like describing those things and, and making them feel like, okay, we are in the forest now or okay, we're safe. We're in a, we're in a town. You know, so it's like I definitely want I I want to get to that point of of being able to describe that. So at least well enough for people to feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I feel like in the sessions you've done so far, like we've mostly just been in one city and then we traveled outside of it a little bit and mm-hmm. then we came back and then we went into the woods like there was definitely a different feeling like it's it's not like this massive change. You know, we were in the woods outside the city we had just been in so it's not (laughs) going to be like this huge drastic change but like there was an obvious difference in tone because now we're not like standing around the hustle and bustle we were traveling and and me my character and the other stealthy character went up ahead and i was like well crap we're not traveling along a trail we have to figure out some way to like show them where we're going and of course my character came up with the worst possible idea (laughs) of of showing them which direction we went but I mean, that's, that's kind of just his character, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I liked it. <laughs> Saw all the gold laid out on the ground and they're like, Oh my God, worm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you got it all back. Yeah. I, I mean, technically your wife's character has it. I don't know that she gave it back. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> she, she picked it all up, but <laughs> she's kind of the one that's in charge of my finances. Cause yeah. Worm's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and she has a, a, a high enough uh, perception to be able to be like, oh, yep, I see him. I see him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my next little point is start off small. Small and simple. You know, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. Except it, I'm kind of saying the opposite here. Start off, start off small. Like plan for the small region you're going to be in. Like you don't need your whole continent mapped out. You don't need your whole world mapped out. Yeah. Right. So like when, when I homebrewed mine, I went and like drew out this whole map. Like I had Heather help me out. Like I I did the dice trick where you like dump a bucket of dice on a map and then kind of cluster them together and use that for the shapes of your continent. Mm -hmm. And then like, I was trying to put like all these cities on here and all these different places. Like I have like, five or six different continents that all have like different kingdoms. And like, I was trying to work on their governments and stuff like that. And I'm like, my guy, we're playing on this one continent, generally around this one city. Yeah. What am I doing? You know, thousands of miles across the ocean that they'll probably never go to working out the exact specifics of a war that they have nothing to do with (laughs) why the war is happening and how it's continued all these years there's no reason for this i'm i'm absolutely just bashing my head against a brick wall they're not even there yeah i mean the only thing i could say about that though is that like you could say well how does how did that war affect where they are now not at all it did not at all it did not at all but it could it could but in the game that i was running in this story that i was telling that like all the other continents i i used a couple of them as as one shots where i would run like a little thing over here and they're like mm-hmm. oh is that that region because i had showed them the map 
I was like, they're like, oh, is that that region over here? I'm like, yes. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's nice to finally see a little bit about it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I wrote all this stuff. I might as well use it somewhere. Yeah, why not? But like the, the continent that I was running on was the only one that I needed to do something for. <laughs> like, Yeah. And again, it's that similar thing that I was talking about earlier where for like for me, what I'm trying to do is I want to have my continent and I want to know like where everything is, mm-hmm. but I don't need to build them all out right now. Exactly. I just need to kind of branch out from where you guys are, like get a, like, so you have been in Cheapside, mm-hmm. you're going to Trumbull. Yeah. Trumbull needs to be built. Yep. I want to try to like start there and then build out from there, like the towns that are closest to it. And then go from there whenever you guys get there. Exactly. Um, that's kind of the way I've been trying to, to run it is you guys don't need to know what's going on across the <laughs> in, continent. In the capital. Right. We're not in the capital. Yeah. No, you're, you're several hundred <sighs> miles away from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least in my head it is. I'm still trying to map it out of where everything is but Mm -hmm. the the capital of it is in the center of the crevice yeah so (laughs) which i am so looking forward to actually building some 3d terrain for that oh yeah (laughs) it's gonna be be so much fun (laughs) (laughs) that'll be wild maybe Um, i can actually get some money to do it (laughs) because i'm using right now i'm using cardboard and um I'm going to be using like all my baby cans of formula. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, popsicle man. sticks. Yeah, I was going to say, you made that airship out of popsicle sticks. And yeah. that thing was beautiful. I, I had so much fun with that one. <laughs> I am so like, I am so proud of you for that one. That thing was epic. <laughs> yeah, it was like we was showed we showed up to the table figuring you would like doodle out like a little thing on a on a dry erase mat. And then you just walk into your garage and pull out a freaking fully built airship. And you're like, you're in these rooms. And I was like, holy crap, dude. Like, <laughs> what? And the cool thing, too, is that like uh, Ariel helped me with it. But all she really did was draw out the like the actual layout the of floor plan. Yeah, the floor plan of the ship. And I just built around it. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, let me add this part here and this part here. And I found something for the mast and I found some foam for the, 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 uh, sails and stuff. And I was just like, this is fun. Yeah. That, that thing was, that that thing was incredible. Yeah. And then I got to use it for like 10 minutes. (laughs) I'm not apologizing. (laughs) You guys will use it again. Don't worry. But, (laughs) Uh, so the other thing that i was gonna say and this one took me a while to um took me a while to figure out is improv is your best friend Mm, absolutely Uh, your players are gonna go wherever they want to go Mm. um you can you can put the story in front of them and like you can drop a thousand different plot hooks right in front of their faces and they're gonna go Nope. Uh, it, it, again, it's it's like that joke, you know, you describe the mysterious stranger at the bar and they're like, who else is in here? I'm like, I don't know. There's a little goblin in the corner named Sam Snorkel, I guess. And they're like, I'm going to go talk to Sam Snorkel. Like, OK, well, it's the name. You can never yeah, give him like, a name. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> until you, they ask you, you can put a thousand plot hooks in front of your players and they're going to go skipping off into the field picking daisies like <laughs> it's. Oh, man. All right. So nothing against any of my players at all. 
because they they're gonna do what they're gonna do. <laughs> but I was I was laughing a little bit at what Joel did. At, I want to climb the wall. <laughs> well, no, no, it wasn't that one. It was when he went to go sleep in the tavern while you guys right. went and watched <laughs> watched watched the the, the Lord of uh, Trumbull. To make sure he didn't sure he didn't transform he didn't into transform. a werewolf again, and I was like, <clears throat> "You sure you want to do that? <laughs> you sure?" And he's like, "Yep, <clears throat> that's where I'm going." I was like, "Okay." And then when stuff started to go down, he was like, "Am I just still in the the tavern?" And we're like, "Yeah, dude, <laughs> <laughs> sucks, don't it?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, uh, "Worm's happy sleeping wherever. He'll sleep on the floor right yeah. outside this guy's jail cell." Yeah, <laughs> and uh, God love him, like. He texted me during the whole thing. He's like, can I just like wake up and realize that like I'm just kind of bored? Oh, no. And I was like, you know what? Go for it. Yeah. Like, that, that I want the, you there. That I was want the right move. Yeah. <laughs> just to let him do that. Yeah. That, was, that was the right move. <laughs> it's no fun to sit at the table and watch everybody else yeah. play. Yeah. I mean, that was it was a great moment for him to like walk into it. And it was just like, OK, <laughs> this feels better. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are all together again. <laughs> Love you, Joel. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it just cracked us all up. <laughs> so, uh, my next point sounds completely opposite of my last point, which was start small and simple. This one is don't start too small. <laughs> don't start too simple. Um, I I had just said that improv is your best friend, but don't make everything improv mm. because if every single part of your session was improvised your players are going to get the feeling that, wow, he didn't care enough to plan something. He's just kind of pulling everything out of his butt, just flying by the seat of his pants. He couldn't even, like, be bothered to prep something. Like, wow, thanks. Like, why did I show up here? Like, I showed up ready to hear this guy's story and, like, play a fun campaign, and there's nothing ready. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that can be the complete opposite problem yeah. of like you have interested players and the DM seems disinterested. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that any session that's improv is going to be a bad session. I ran a one shot one time that was completely improv because I was like, I need to get better at improvising. Yeah. So I went through one of the Kobold press books, picked a monster that I had never seen before, read about it, which led me down this weird rabbit hole of like Greek philosophy because it was talking about the, the four humors of medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is that? And then I started reading about that in like 10 hours of Wikipedia reading later. I was like, huh, that was pretty cool. And then got to the session and all I had was this creature and how it works. Mm -hmm. And so like, I literally made everything up at the table as we <laughs> played it. And it ended was up, was that my first one shot with you guys? Yeah, Simon? it might have been. I think it was. It might have been. I, I, I technically ran that before oh, at a different okay. one. Right. That, that was a, a redone one shot. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't do the improv one. I did the, the second one. It was still very improv, well, and it yeah. turned out very differently yeah. um, from the other time. Because, again, I showed up with nothing, <laughs> no notes, no nothing, because I was like, hey, this worked out really well last time. It was a lot of fun. Like, Joel breaking into that dude's uh, home and just like, what's his name? And I'm like, um, let me just pull a name out of my butt. I don't know. And just gave him a name. And then he just knocks him out and starts running through the streets with him. Like, okay, yeah, that was not at all planned. Yeah. 
but it was great and it was so much fun and like joel had a great time just like i'm just gonna punch him <laughs> oh he fezzicked him oh yeah he, he fezzicked him. he just he just he just him. dropped his giant goliath fist on his head <laughs> knocked him out and like joel still talks about that he, he's oh, like yeah. like even in icewind dale he's like can i fezzic him i'm like yeah go for it like it might not turn out well for you but go for it <laughs> <laughs> yep it's a it's a uh and oh, what's the word uh term of endearment now mm-hmm. <laughs> what's well, it's become a uh a, a verb for him like yeah. <laughs> fezziking somebody <laughs> um so to to help you out if you just like if you're going to be running a session and you don't have enough prepped just get a couple of examples of person place and thing mm. like you have this person in this place with this thing and that can be enough to run a whole session if you just have like two or three of those Hmm. You can run a session entirely off of person, place, or thing, because they're going to be able to tell that that person, that place, that thing was fleshed out and detailed. Yeah. And then if you need to, you can improvise the rest. Wow. Now, I'm not saying to do that every time. You know, it's better to have a little bit more planned for that. But if you have a couple of examples of person, place, thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind You're of golden. <laughs> yeah. In in a weird kind of way, I was following that in a in again, a weird kind of way um, with a couple of the characters that I've come up with for the um, like the townspeople, mm-hmm. like um, like one of the ones that you just met was uh, his name is Wall. And you guys went into his general store, which was Wall's Mart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, okay, I want to make some stupid puns in here and just be like, okay, this is Wall's Mart. He's like a big, like, uh, Minotaur guy, and he's just like, he has a general store. And so you're he, saying he was a cash cow? Yeah, definitely. But I but I have other ones though that I'm like, okay, if I can work these people in, they have they have the person, they have the place. Maybe need to come up with a couple things, but like mm-hmm. other than that, it's like, okay, that's very very much followed that kind of uh outline. Yeah. That, so And it worked out great because yeah. we could tell that you had actually put effort into these things, and so like we felt stupid like effort, but still <laughs> stupid effort is effort. And it's still like, if it's fun at the table, if your players are enjoying themselves, yeah. like that is the number one goal of the DM is it doesn't matter if your campaign is following a dumb story or like you're, you're literally Googling uh, puzzles for toddlers. Like, yeah. Or like if, what Heather did with the, the page out of a, a coloring book. Yeah. Like she literally <laughs> took a pay, a maze from one of my daughter's coloring books and ran a one shot based off of that. That was amazing. <laughs> and we had a blast. Yeah. Okay. So it can be the dumbest, most juvenile stuff. Like your, your whole session can be full of just fart jokes and puns. Okay. <laughs> but if your players are having a good time, you've succeeded. Yeah. That's all you need to look at. You don't need to look at, at something like, uh, the Unexpectables or Matt Mercer, where they're going on this like crazy epic adventure and then judge yourself based off of that. Your players had fun. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Dan. Yes. I'm going to put you on the spot here. 
<laughs> oh boy, okay. We're going to build a town together. Ooh, I like it. All I have here is a name and then some questions for you. Okay. So, the name of this place is Duskport. Duskport. Okay. Duskport. So, my first question, and this lies under a brief history. How did the town get its name? Okay. I would say that it is, uh, uh, it could be built around a, um, hmm. I'm trying to think if it would be better as a uh, shipyard. No, not a shipyard, but like a, a, a seaport. A seaport or an airport. Mm-hmm. Like because you not have airplanes, but be, because you have airships, airships and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably yeah, probably air air an airship port. ship port. Yeah. Okay. Um, a skyport. A skyport. Thank you. That's better. <laughs> skyport. Um. So a, a a town built around a skyport that is it is on the ocean, mm-hmm. um, but they have like the the high, um, the high uh, docks for the airships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. So the docks are kind of built on stilts above the city, yes. and it kind of leaves the city in a perpetual dusk. Yeah. Not what you were going for. <laughs> I was <Okay. laughs> I was more thinking like in this part of the world the sun doesn't quite shine. Oh, I was going to I was going to say we could build this and if you want this can be something that is used in our setting. Yeah. Yeah, the, I figured that's kind of what we were yeah. <laughs> we were going for. Um but yeah, so like in in this part of the world I think this would probably be uh on the oh shoot I'm trying to think it, like north northwestern part of the continent where like the sun doesn't quite shine as much like kind of like alaska mm-hmm. where it's dark most of the the year or or but kind like of like more, kind of like that town that lives in that deep valley yeah where yeah. like they only get like an hour or two of sunlight a day yeah oh so i'm not thinking like like nighttime mm-hmm. but more like a sunset kind of or sunset or sun what would dusk be that's morning right dusk, dusk. i think is evening evening so yeah more of a sunset kind of yeah town where it's like always sunset but then you get a couple of hours of of sunset, okay. uh, sun each day okay excellent so why slash how was this town founded? So let's let's start with the why. What what was the purpose for somebody building a town or city? It could be a, a more of a metropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's completely up to you whether this is like a tiny little town, a larger city, or like just like this little baby village. <laughs> uh, to me, it sounds more uh, small townish. Mm-hmm. Not quite as small as Cheapside. A um, little bigger than that, but still kind of small townish, like Beauty and the Beast's uh, little town. Okay. Quiet village. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's, um, so it's town size, not village size. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but not city size. Not city size. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so there's some, there's why some, is it here? Why is it here? 
like I said, it's built around a sky port mm-hmm. um, where they needed to basically settle. Um, kind of like a New Englandy kind of thing where they uh, they landed here and were like, okay, we need to build a town here and claim this as our own. Okay. What made them want to build it there, though? Like, is there some sort of natural resource that they liked there, or is it just like a good waypoint, like a good stopping spot for these skyships? I would say more, more so a good stopping point of, um, like, this is, like, again, like, this is where they landed. This is kind of where they needed to, to settle to, mm-hmm. build, like, yeah, like a, a to waypoint. Be able, to be able to restock and stuff like yeah. that. Yep. Okay. So in that time, what is its purpose now? Like, is it, is it, has it become like a trading post area where it's like, or, or just solely for restocking airships? I, I think, uh, it could definitely be a, a more trade. Um, cause if they're stopping, of goods cause if and... they're stopping here to restock, they're probably going to sell some stuff while right. they're at it. Yep. Okay. Excellent. So we have airship port or sky, skyport, skyport, yep. skyport. Um, not a whole lot of daylight. How is the town supported? Is there farmland around it? Or do they get all of their goods coming in from the airship? So it's kind of self-sustaining in the sense that it's, they're there to sustain the airships, but the airships are also sustaining the town. Or is there, is there something there of value that they can actually like give back? Hmm. I would say that like mining or logging, or is it a good tactical spot for a military outpost or something like that? Mm -hmm. I think for the area that I'm, I'm seeing it in on that more Northern, like it, I can't see many farms there Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's a little bit more on that like colder air. Like, and there's not a whole lot of daylight. Right. So, so they don't get a lot of photosynthesis and <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. $5 word right <laughs> <laughs> Um So I would say it could, it could be a little more self-sustaining of because the trade comes in and out. Um, mm-hmm. It could be more self-sustaining or, and or it could be, it could have more of a military um, at least more of a defensive area. Okay. Um, so that leads to another question. Defense from what? Um, what are they trying to secure this location against? Mm. Is there gnolls in the area that have these roving bands that every now and then come through and they will pour through this valley where this place is? Was there one time a war between... Aluin and like maybe an orc tribe that 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 used this spot so they took it for themselves or is it just up in the frozen north there's some crazy creatures that every now and then will come down south and they're like we just want to like have a presence here to make sure that that doesn't happen Mm. what what is the military securing this spot against hmm or are they worried about like an aggressive northern tribe of of barbarians that comes down every now and then to to steal resources? Hmm. I have not thought too far into what's outside of the continent, so it would probably be something more so uh inland. Um 
this is why town building is fun because it brings up so many questions right right (laughs) (laughs) that's why i thought this would be an interesting uh exercise yeah definitely um because you could i could definitely go like like icewind dale way of like you know there's yetis Mm -hmm. up there in the north absolutely Um, um but it's hard to say they're bad because you know, Lelander's... Because Lelander was raised Lelander's by Lelander's mom is nice. <laughs> is she, though? I've seen those scars he's got. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the greatest of, of experiences there. Um, and it left him with some psychotic PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I got punched in the some face. Rage. I'm going to rage and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so fun last time. Anyway. It was. Um... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think I could, I think I could go a bit more, um, oh man, that's that's a hard choice because I could go for like, you picked military outpost. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Good point. Oh man, that's hard. And that's the other thing too is that like I don't know as much about the the different roving bands and stuff. Like I know about orcs and I know about, you know, yetis and stuff like that, but like I haven't delved too much into what could be more defense uh, defense against, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's that one's a little harder for me to to come up with. So we'll put that as a to be determined. Yeah, question mark. Okay. So defense against question mark. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, and this might go back. This might be an easy enough question to answer if it is a military style outpost. Who runs the town? Mm. Is it under military law or does it have a specific noble like a lot of your other towns have? I think up in in that area, um, it's not quite as um settled by the uh the center of of Aluin's people mm-hmm. um i i think it's it would probably be more a military uh uh captain or a um uh what, what would you call it um maybe not a general necessarily but like one of the higher ranking uh okay military type so is it under like a strict military law or is it for the most part kind of like uh, a lot of freedom and then if you know if it hits the shan they enforce martial law and it's like now there's a curfew now there's like regimental yeah. like everything is plotted out probably more so that where if something <coughs> if something more military happens then it goes into that whereas right now it's it's not in it's not in a wartime or a, so laws or, are written <clears throat> laws are written and enforced by the the military chain of command but it's not like a super strict thing right it, for the most a, part it's it runs pretty much ball. business yeah. as usual for yeah. most towns yep it just has the potential to you know tighten up yeah okay okay so this that was on your history side okay this is development how many people live there hmm now you don't have to give me an exact number, like eight hundred and seventy-six. Okay, no, like, <clears throat> is it in the hundreds? Is it in the tens? Is it in the thousands? Is it in the tens of thousands? I would, I would say it's 
uh, upper thousands. Okay. Um, but it, not in the tens of thousands. Right. Okay. So it, like I said, it's more, it's more town than, than city. So it, it's not a, um, it's not a metropolis by any means. It's a, it's a, a smaller town with a strong, uh, defense system there enough, uh, enough military there to make it defensive. Um, whether it be from militia or from, uh, you know, straight on soldiers. Um, I, I would say, uh, yeah, I would probably put it in the like six to 7,000 people. Okay. Excellent. So these are some questions that I actually, I was like, okay, Heather, you're a player more than a DM. What would your character be looking for coming into this town? Mm -hmm. So she said, is there an inn? Oh, yeah. 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 Since it, would, it, it, since it is a port. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. What kind of shops are there? Uh, definitely, I would say some supply shops for resupplying, resupplying the airships. Airships. Again, like it's it's a it's a free flowing trade system. So there would definitely be, you know, um, general stores. There would be uh, <laughs> there would be um, uh, like. I, I guess there would be an outfitter like a, a, a blacksmith, you know, an armorer, uh, you know, things like that for the military. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there would be weapons, there would be, um, uh, I'm trying to think what, what other things in a town that you would need. Um, one thing that I have found is very dangerous to put places is a magical item shop, because then your players are just going to go buy whatever they want, and then you have no real need to give them an incentive to yeah. go and get stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> that's, and that's the thing too with, with that was a mistake I made. <laughs> uh, Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with Aloin is um, your characters don't know this, obviously, but uh, I think you and I have talked about mm -hmm. it where um, the capital the, is very the capital. Yeah. The capital is was built by people who can enchant mm -hmm. items. And that's where most of the because magical of items. Because of reasons. Because of reasons. Um <laughs> Uh, that have to do with the crevice itself, um, but it the the enchantment side of things is very secretive. Um, they the most of the people don't know where they come from, mm -hmm. but there are magic shops enough to you know sustain that kind of um, that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, but not everywhere. It's, yeah, yeah, it's few and far between. So there would not be a magic shop in in this particular town. Okay, excellent. <coughs> uh, so the next question is <clears throat> probably already answered. Seen as how it's a port city, <clears throat> how do the townsfolk react to outsiders? Uh, probably pretty happy to see them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they would they would be accepting overall. However, um, 
I think they would probably see more of the same people in and out of of the town because of the trade and and all that. They 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 may be suspicious of people they don't know. So it'd be weird to see somebody outside of the norm, right? It's like you like, you you have the same specific like skyship captains, yeah. and then it's a random group of like four people, and it's like, wait a minute, who are you guys? Yeah, like, <laughs> like they're not aggressive. Like they wouldn't be aggressive toward them, but slightly suspicious of like well what are you doing here gotcha you know just just a little weirded out because it's different yeah okay um is the town prominently one race and if so what race i would not i would say no no um i would say there's multiple races there good Um, mix yeah very good mix okay (laughs) because it's so close to the water close to uh transport um I would say that there's many types of people coming in and out okay. of there. And then that question was supposed to kind of be a somewhat of a jumping off point, somewhat going back to a previous question of that can help you flesh out how exactly the town was founded. Mm-hmm. So who discovered it? Like if you were going to say, well, yeah, it's mainly elves. Okay. Why did the elves put up a, put up a trade post here? You know? Right. Um, but since it's a good mixture, that kind of does lead to, who slash how was it founded like Mm. was it was it originally founded by military or like you said like a skyship landed here because they needed resources or materials and it was like we should set up a shop here yeah kind of flesh out like how it was founded okay so like obviously skyship captain landed here yeah so like i would say like something like you know the the skyship captain landed here whether it was from um you know being bombarded by something and uh they had to land one of those frightening uh flying miniatures you have yes <laughs> yes <laughs> although i don't know if that would be on that side of the world or not i, I suppose it could be kind of everywhere but but yeah um so they they could have been bombarded by something and had to land and found this area of okay this is safe to land there's not really anything here there's nobody around um why don't we just settle here and repair our ship and um kind of put something here so that other people can land and do the same yeah exactly okay i have two questions left but who knows if these are going to lead to other questions okay is there a criminal underground in this city and i'm not literally talking about underground but you know like is there a a dark a dark underbelly of the city of criminal organizations and you know what with it being a port smugglers (laughs) is a very easy one to to just throw there yep i was gonna say you've asked me this question before in some of the other towns and i'm like like it's so hard to like that's mainly because my character's background is urban bounty hunter and so i'm like hey if I go here and I look for a criminal underbelly so that I can get some information, will I find one or am I just going to walk around and find that this whole town is vanilla? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, I would say that, like you said, being a port, a port town. Excuse me. Um, there, there would probably be some smuggling here and there. Um, I don't know if it would necessarily be an organized crime. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it definitely could be like i'd have to flesh that out a bit more to be able to to say for sure um but yeah i would say that there's at least some element of criminal underbelly okay and then my last question is what is the general attitude towards magic and magic users um i think that they're pretty op- like the whole continent i feel like is pretty open to it being what it is mm-hmm. um the the continent was or the the city of aloin was um founded by this group of wizards um so like i don't know if necessarily the outskirts of the um the continent would necessarily be this way but like um I would say most of the people that are on this continent are like magic is what helped us pretty okay with magic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There may be some groups here and there that are like, no, no, we need to keep this out. All right. Um, but yeah. So we now have the bare bones town of Duskport. Now, obviously there's a lot more that you can do to flesh out the town a lot more, but I wanted to do more of a simplistic, like real quick, Hey, let's just throw this together and see what we come up with. Yeah. Um, and Dan, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you. Golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for, for doing that, uh, preparing that. Cause that, that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to have stuff like that prepared for every recording. Um, depending on what topics we're going to talk about. Of course, next topic is going to be, why doesn't anybody care when I talk about my D and D characters? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to have, you know, something planned out for each one of these depending on what our topic is. I don't know what our next topic is. Yeah. Right at this very moment, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, so basically just to kind of give an, an overview of of this episode and and what we kind of want to do with this is we want to give the people listening a uh a place that they can go to get Basically, home, like not homebrewing, but uh, like D and D tips and tricks, um, some advice, advice. Have some fun with with either building worlds, building characters. Um, oh, that'd be fun! We'll build a character we'll, one time. Yeah, that I mean, that's definitely something that we need to do. Um, because that I think people that are new to D and D will will be able to listen to that and be like. Okay, that gives me an idea. If these or, two morons can do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to learn from you guys a, a bit more, especially you and and Heather, because you guys make some crazy characters and I love it. <laughs> I love the I love the uh the quirks that you give your your characters. Well, one of the one of the I, I we'll we'll get into this more on like a character or yeah. a episode on character design is a lot of people when they're building their characters think about like, okay, what does my character hate? Like, uh, I'm playing an elf. They really hate orcs. Like, yeah. Okay. Finding something that your character dislikes or hates or a natural enemy that they have is really easy. Mm-hmm. Think of some stuff that they love. Yeah. Like, like Atreya, Heather's character. She loves potatoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm going to point this out. This was a character she made like five years ago, maybe. Yeah. This before was, this was before the D and D movie. Okay, <laughs> this was before the D and D movie. She had already made a character that was a barbarian that loves potatoes. <laughs> Difference being, she's a lizard folk. She eats them raw like apples. <laughs> Super weird. Okay, so like 
think of some things that bring your character joy. All right. Well, thanks for listening to uh, Critical Friendship. Uh, if you have any questions concerning anything we discussed today, uh, you can email us at criticalfriendshippodcast at gmail.com or comment on our Instagram with at criticalfriendshippodcast. And we'll try to answer as many as we can on our next episode. But as for now, ah, dang it. I rolled a nat one on giving the outro. <laughs>